That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Terror strikes the streets of Toronto and the Waffle House outside of Nashville. Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Tuesday, April 24? Here we go. It is the Bill Press Show on this beautiful Tuesday here. A nice spring day in Washington, D.C. Hope it's off to a good start wherever you happen to be. And thank you for joining us here as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital where we're right, right here on perched on Capitol Hill to keep you up to date with all the news of the day. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, the French language we hear in the nation's capital uh, these days because of President Emmanuel Macron of France arrived yesterday. Uh, by the way, he speaks very, very good English uh, for his uh, the first official. There's been a lot of uh, foreign heads of state going through the White House, but this is the first official state visit. Uh, and the two presidents yesterday planted a tree uh, that came from France on the south lawn of the White House. Uh, President Macron and his wife did a little walking tour of Washington before they went to the White House yesterday, uh, had dinner, at, did a little helicopter tour of, of the nation's capital, and then flew down to Mount Vernon for dinner last night and the big state dinner at the White House tonight. And meanwhile... George Pompeo, because of some last-minute horse trading, does get out of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and heads to the Senate floor, where he will be confirmed, thanks to two Democrats yesterday who said they will join Republicans in voting for him, giving him enough votes. We'll bring you up to date on that and all the rest of the news of the day and look forward to hearing from you what you think about it all. We love getting your comments uh, on Twitter. At BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, so some days these stories just write themselves. Yes. There is a new study from the University of Oxford that talks about space, and they look particularly at the planet of Uranus. Mm -hmm. And the doctors that did this study said that if you were to ever make it to Uranus, basically what you would be met with is a horrifying smell because the smell of Uranus 
is made up of the same compound responsible for the same odors familiar here on Earth, including farts and rotten eggs. That's why they call it Uranus. That's why they call it Uranus. Now, that's the least of your worries, because if you were to ever make it to Uranus, you would have, you know, the problem of suffocation, the exposure to negative 200 degrees Celsius atmosphere, uh, and all of that. But it's made up of hydrogen, helium, and methane. And so when you got there, it would smell like rotten eggs or farts. Well, I don't think I have to worry about that. I'm not going to go to Uranus anytime yeah, soon. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, worried. Thank you for uh, that information. But uh, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> just right. just figured you guys would like to know. Mm, I'll keep uh, that in mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, also, a new study in Tanzania. This is fascinating because there are monkeys there in uh, Tanzania, and you know, monkeys have a certain reputation for being uh, promiscuous. Well, some of the monkeys there, they are so promiscuous, in fact, that they're not even waiting to mate with their own species. They are happily crossing the species divide because to where the action is, apparently. Red tails and blue monkeys living in uh, the Gombe National Park regularly get together despite being entirely separate creatures with entirely different looks and social structures. Uh, I, I'm not going to worry about that either. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't think you're going to have to worry about it. But it is. I mean, the, it, I mean, it, when we're talking about nature, right? Like, yeah, that's just the right. cues that they take. They mm-hmm. they stick with their kind. And yeah. that's oh. not the case there. These are some horny monkeys, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Just... All the news that you can use today I, here I, on the Bill yeah, Press Show. I think it's all the news that you can't use yeah. today. Oh, hello, man. <laughs> Any, I found it interesting. Anything else I have to b- worry about? <laughs> oh, just stay tuned. Next hour. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Here we go uh, with a roundup of the news today on a Tuesday, April 24. How about it, folks? It is the uh, Bill Press Show. That's me, and you are very much part of the show. Thanks for uh, jumping on board as we uh, start off this uh, next two hours. Roundup of the news of the day with our guests and with all of you. Tell you what's happening here in the nation's capital, around the country, around the globe, bring you up to date, and give you a chance to let us know what you think about it all. Uh, Our job is to uh, tell you what's going on. Your job, again, as always, uh, tell us what you think about it. How about it? Give us your, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show, as we join you coast to coast and around the globe, online, on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show on Free Speech TV and on the great WCPT out in the greater Chicago area, joining you all in Radioland with, again, uh, the news of the day. And, uh, boy, so much. Where do we start? You know, uh, we, we didn't have a chance to talk yesterday. There was so much going on about this horrific uh, terrorist attack. And that's what it was on that Waffle House. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know why we... The, the, the news business gets into this, but there's somebody with a, um, a person of color, somebody with dark skin, or certainly someone who um, is a Muslim who uh, uh, picks up a gun and kills a lot of people or drives a van and kills a lot of people. Right away they say, this terrorist, this terrorist is a terrorist. I haven't heard anybody uh, refer to this young man, Travis Reinking, who walked into that Waffle House at 325. 
a couple of mornings ago as a terrorist, but that's what he was. And and this is a case where, and thank God the police caught him yesterday in the woods in back of his house. But, I mean, this was a case where if anybody should not have had a gun, let alone an AR-15, let alone four guns, it was this guy who had a history of just absolutely bonko behavior. I mean, dives into a swimming pool at some part, you know, dressed in a women's pink dress. Um, he had um, stolen cars. He had tried to get into the White House and was apprehended. Uh, and at that time, he was living in Illinois, and the Secret Service did what they should have done. They apprehended him, and then they checked him out, and they, they notified the police department in Illinois, this guy's nuts. You ought to check his quarters and look into it. They did. They found four guns. They confiscated the guns, took them away, and then they gave the local police department out there, gave the guns to his father, and his father, with the promise that he would keep them and never let them, his son get near them again, and his father said, you bet, signed the, signed the document, and then turned around and gave the guns to his nutty son. I mean, nuts, total nuts, gave the guns to his son. That father ought to be in jail. I mean, that, that is, you know, I, I don't know what he thinks today when he sees what his son did with one of those guns. You know, I'm so glad yes. you, you went down that path with this because, you, you know, during the the aftermath of the Parkland shooting, you had so many of the gun rights people and the Second Amendment people come out and say, oh, this isn't a gun issue, it's a mental health issue. It isn't a gun issue, it's a mental yeah. health issue. This kid was mentally disturbed and the law enforcement didn't do anything about it. And the problem with that argument is you end up with situations like this one where they did see a problem. They went yep. there, they took the guns, but because we're so in love with our guns, because we're so drunk on this idea that guns are a God-given right in this country, that they didn't even bother to think. No, right. We should just hang on to these for a little while until yeah. we get this figured yeah. out. They're like, no, 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 he has a right yeah. to have them. Yeah. And that's the real problem. Why Why put those guns back in circulation? Why? Why even give them to the why? father? Again, the AR-15. Yeah. Give it to the father, right? Why? He turns around and gives it to the son. Uh, and so they've got the guy, but there are four people dead. Uh, but, you know, again, everybody is a hats off to this young man, James Shaw. Yeah, man. Boy, I talk about somebody with a <laughs> with a pair, man, and with a lot of guts. And he did. He said anybody would have done what he had done. I don't think so, man. I wouldn't have. Uh-uh. And he went, charged him, grabbed the gun out of his hands. The, the, the barrel was so hot it burned his hand. Yeah, there's a there's like a photo of him where he's got yeah, yeah. it's like a giant uh, like scab situation right. because of where the gun burned. Him. Right, and then threw the AR-15 in back of the counter. At which point the naked gunman runs out of the runs out of the restaurant, runs to his house, puts on some clothes, and then goes back into the woods. But uh, uh, at any rate, what a tragedy! A tragedy that never never should have happened if the police had done if the local police had done. Uh, the right thing and held on to those guns. And I just mentioned, uh, again, the terrible incident up in uh, Toronto yesterday. Uh, the mayor of Toronto saying what any mayor would say, uh, you know, and this, sadly, these are copycat events now. You know, this is now the new method of uh, that terrorists use um, to, what, to make a point, to kill as many people as they can. We, we've seen it uh, in Germany. We've seen it in France. 
We've seen it in London, and yesterday we saw it in Toronto. Uh, the mayor is saying what any mayor would say, I think, that uh, never expected this to happen in a place like Toronto. These are not the kinds of things that we expect to happen in this city. We hope they don't happen anywhere uh, in the world, but we especially uh, don't expect them to happen in Toronto. Uh, police chief of Toronto uh, giving the uh, death count yesterday uh, afternoon. Unfortunately, uh, we have uh, 10 people that have succumbed to their injuries, and we have 15 that are in various hospitals across the city. Uh, and one man who uh, walking down the street there uh, would have been a victim, he says, except for... Like, I just stopped to have a cigarette. If I hadn't have done that, I probably would have been killed as well. I would have been right there with that guy. Whoa. But you know what? It is just that random. Yeah, Those completely. people were killed, totally random, you know. Stopping, looking in a storefront, whatever. I mean, five seconds and they would have been out of the line of... But apparently this guy driving around 60 miles an hour just went up on the sidewalk. The, and the witnesses that uh, I saw interviewed last night said he was just picking up people up, anybody in his way, uh, going out of his way to hit them. Um, and, uh, you know, it's... But that, you know... It, it, what can you do there's nothing to you prevent can, that? There's nothing you, you can do. You can't have bollards on do? every sidewalk, right? Right. In the country. Right. Um, and that could happen anywhere. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but, like, that could happen the moment we walk out of this studio, we're on the sidewalk. Right. And then it happens. Yeah. Well, we talked about the profile of courage of uh, James Shaw down at the Waffle House outside of Nashville. Uh, there was no profile in courage yesterday in the United States Senate when it came to the... Uh, confirmation hearing of uh, Mike Pompeo as the next uh, Secretary of State of the United States. Uh, and it was not going to happen. Remember, just yesterday we talked about this. No, there's no way he's going to get confirmed because no Democrat was going to vote for him. And Rand Paul was not going to vote for him. No way, no how was Rand Paul going to vote for him because he, Rand Paul, said that Mike Pompeo was a big supporter of the war in Iraq. He was wrong about that. And he could never support anybody who thinks the war in Iraq was a good idea. And Peter and I both said yesterday, <laughs> Red Ball, you really trust him? You really think he's not going to cave? Well, guess what? Here's Rand Paul at the hearing yesterday. I have changed my mind. I have I've oh, decided to go ahead and oh. vote for Director Pompeo oh, because oh. Uh, he's assured me that he's learned the lesson. Oh, who could have God. seen that coming? Who could have seen that? I mean, how can he how can he look in the mirror and do something like that? I mean, so he gets a call from Donald Trump. Donald Trump tells him, "Oh no. You're wrong. Mike Pompeo has changed his mind about the war in Iraq. So you have to vote for him." And Rand Paul believes Donald Trump. There is so much wrong with that. Number 1, he believes Donald Trump really? You can't believe a word that Donald Trump says. By the way, where does Donald Trump stand on the war in Iraq? We don't know. At one time, he was for it. Now, then he said he was against it and campaigned against Hillary because she was for it. And yet we saw, we remember during the campaign, they played all those clips of Donald Trump back on Howard Stern saying he was for it. Then suddenly he's against it. Where is he today? And why is he speaking for Mike Pompeo? Why doesn't Pompeo say, I'm against it. I think it was a mistake. We should never have gone there. And we ought to get out of there now. I mean, it, 
like Rand Paul, he didn't have that much to begin with. Zero credibility. Zero. He is not the man his father was. It's you no. Know, it's like you know. It's, you know where his father stood on this stuff. His father wouldn't go for that. His father would say Donald Trump's a bag up. You know what? Not only do we know that Donald Trump is a proven liar, but as you pointed out, he's a proven liar on this specific issue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if Donald Trump calls you and secondhand gives you assurances that someone's changed their mind in the Iraq war, that is the least believable thing that I could think of. Right, right. And so he gets out of committee, um, and goes to the floor. It looked like he was going to get out of committee on a recommendation, uh, a negative recommendation. Uh, but with this switch, he gets out of committee on a positive recommendation. Uh, and on the floor, with John McCain out, they don't have enough votes to confirm him. They need a couple of Democrats. They got them yesterday. Joe Donnelly from Indiana uh, and Joe Manchin from West Virginia both said they're going to vote for him. I think Heidi Heitkamp did as well earlier that she was going to vote for him. So he'll be confirmed um, either today or t- t- tomorrow uh, in the Senate. I think the um, it was delayed. Not sure. I, for some reason, it might not be until tomorrow, but it could be today. He'll be the next secretary of state. But it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, and, you know, again, you cannot tell me that Joe Donnelly's future in the United States Senate, and I want to see him reelected, you cannot tell me his future in the U.S. Senate or Joe Manchin's or Heidi Heitkamp depends on this vote for George Pompeo, for Mike Pompeo. You know what? I, I'd be willing to bet anything I've got that the people of West Virginia, most of the people of West Virginia, Republicans or Democrats, don't give a rat's ass about whether Mike Pompeo is the Secretary of State. Yeah, I mean, this idea that, uh-oh, I got a tough reelection campaign and I'm a Democrat in a state that Donald Trump carried. Therefore, I don't dare vote against a person who should not be Secretary of State, a person who is not qualified to be Secretary of State, because I might lose my election. Over. I just don't buy that for a second. I think it's a cowardly vote uh, on the part of all three of them. Uh, but that is what's going to happen. Uh, hey, here's another, though, a nominee of... Uh, President Trump's, who suddenly is in a little bit of trouble. That is Ronnie Jackson. Ronnie Jackson, who is the White House physician. Ronnie Jackson. Whose name I can never hear without thinking of uh, you dragging that passed out woman into there to get some help. Right. Uh, that when the woman fainted at the uh, pre- President uh, Obama's last briefing and I carried her into the at the at the president's orders. Yeah. Uh, carried her into Ronnie Jackson's office. Uh, that's my my engagement with Ronnie Jackson, and then Donald Trump uh, has now uh, appointed him, uh, nominated him to be the new Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Well, he is in a little trouble, it turns out. First of all, he people were raising questions about this nomination because he has zero experience running anything larger than the White House doctor's office, which is like three people. Uh, and so that's one. Uh, number two, uh, people thought maybe he went just a tad over the top when he examined Donald Trump and then came before us reporters uh, in the briefing room 
with the glowing, glowing reports of how well Donald Trump was doing. Some people have, uh, you know, just great genes. You know, uh, I told the president that if he had a healthier diet over the last uh, 20 years, he might live to be 200 years old. I don't know. Ooh, I mean, yeah, come on. I mean, let's, just let's, over the top. Let's completely not, over the top. Yeah, let's not gild the lily too much. Right. In summary, the president's overall health is excellent. Mm-hmm. His cardiac performance during his physical exam was very good. He continues to enjoy the significant long-term cardiac and overall health benefits that come from a lifetime of abstinence from tobacco and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is such a healthy man. You can tell by looking at him how Vi- healthy he is. Vitals as follows. Age 71 years and 7 months at the time of the exam. Height 75 inches. Weight 239 pounds, uh-uh. resting no, heart rate no, no, 68, no, no, blood pressure no. 122 over 74. No, no, no. The, uh, we buy may, maybe buy everything except the weight. Absolutely yeah, not. No, absolutely, absolutely not. not. But anyway, just like so over the top. So those were two strikes against him. Turns out there may be, there, there are other problems. Uh, so many problems. And it is rumored at the White House, I just want to put it out there, it's rumored at the White House that there is a, an alcohol problem with Ronnie Jackson. At any rate, uh, the Senate has delayed a vote on his nomination, okay. which is uh, doesn't look good for Dr. Jackson. Okay, I know we're <clears throat> breaking our arms here, patting ourselves on the back. Right after the Rand Paul stuff, but we said this. We said this when he first came out and talked about it. There's no way this is true. There's no way this is true. And for the stories to come out that now he mm-hmm. exaggerates mm-hmm. and has, I'm just saying, we called yeah. it. We yeah. called this months ago, six yeah. months ago. Um, so it looks like this was another case of uh, the problem at the White House. This is proven true over and over again. Is they're not vetting people. I mean. Look at how many, Donald Trump sees him on television, thinks they're great. Uh, he saw Ronnie Jackson give this glowing report on television. He said, hell, let's make him head of VA, the Veterans Affairs, right? Joe Zenerby saw him on Fox. Hell, let's bring him in and make him the White House counsel. <laughs> yeah, they don't bet these people, and they turn out getting bitten in the ass by it. So I mean, we another case. We even said, that, and look, who knows what's going to happen with, with uh, Dr. Jackson, right? But we said at the time, I could just imagine Trump going up to him and saying, hey, you don't want to be yeah. White House doctor the rest of your life. Do right. You? What do you, right. you want to run the VA? You want to do something else? You want to be Surgeon General? You want to find something else to do? Like, just go out there and give these numbers. Go out there and talk about how healthy and good I am, and I'll take care of you. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> uh, yes. Meanwhile, on another front. Oh, by the way, I didn't give you our uh, lineup of guests yet today, and we got a, a great lineup. Daniel Lipman. Uh, from uh, Politico, the author, a co-author of the playbook on Politico, will be joining us here in just a few minutes, uh, starting us off today. Joined then uh, later by Tom LoBianco, used to be with CNN. He's now with AP. He'll be here as a friend of Bill for the last hour, and then we'll be joined also by Jennifer Bender, Bendery, Jen Bendery, who covers the Congress for uh, Huff Post. Um, we've uh, been talking a lot about uh, Scott Pruitt, who in a cabinet of grifters is really the number one grifter. Uh, every day, it seems, has another story uh, about Scott Pruitt with his hand, getting caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Uh, we've told you about the $43,000 soundproof phone booth that he had installed. Uh, of course, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that he spent on private aircraft and flying first class. Uh, and charter helicopter flights. Um, the sweetheart, D. 
deal that he had here on Capitol Hill where he gets a room, rents a room from the wife of a lobbyist for only $50 a night, which he only pays when he happens to be there that night and not traveling. Uh, and during the time that he's renting this room, he is also uh, holding meetings with the wife's husband, the lobbyist for the oil industry, um, look, seeking special favors from EPA. Scott Pruitt says this is no conflict at all because he was paying market rate, baloney. I live on Capitol Hill. I can tell you, you couldn't sleep under the freeway on the ground for $50 a night on Capitol Hill. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Well, the latest is that it turns out uh, Scott Pruitt has um, this uh, lining his pockets is not new to Scott Pruitt. Story that broke yesterday is uh, two about back when he was attorney general in Oklahoma. Uh, one, there was this great mansion right near the state capitol, and Scott Pruitt thought, hmm, wouldn't it be nice, because he didn't live in the capitol, wouldn't it be nice if uh, I, I was able to get that house and live there as attorney general? That'd be pretty swanky, huh? So he made a deal with some local bank to get a bargain rate on getting a hold of this uh, mansion in, uh, what is this capital of Oklahoma? Is it Oklahoma City, I guess, right? Is it? Must be. Um, I used to be so good at my state capitals. Must be. The capital of Oklahoma is, do you know what it is? I don't know. Let's say Oklahoma City. I'll, I'll throw a Google A on it. What is it? Tulsa. It's Tulsa. Is it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna Isn't look. that weird? All, none of us I'm are so really sure. Okay, okay. But at any rate, he gets his mansion. I, I make, it's, a, it's his local banker. Arranges another sweetheart real estate deal for Scott Pruitt, then Attorney General of Oklahoma. Um, and that banker, by the way, is now a top official at the EPA. Of course, Scott Pruitt takes care of his friends. By the way, <laughs> then, we've confirmed that it's Oklahoma City. It is Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City. So you were right. Okay. Who said Tulsa? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yesterday, another story broke in Huffington Post that uh, back just before. He comes back to Washington to take the job as EPA director. He puts in another bill to be reimbursed from the state of Oklahoma for $400 for a mirror, a plant, a planter, and a vase that he had purchased for his office as attorney general six years earlier. Come on now. But he'd been holding on to those receipts and didn't want to leave Oklahoma until he got that last $400 out of the taxpayers of Oklahoma. It is just one, one little after another. Uh, But, you know, Scott Pruitt's not the only grifter in that bunch, in that uh, Trump cabinet. Uh, We've also heard more now about um, Sean Hannity and his real estate deals. Okay, I know what you're saying. Bill, he's not in the Trump cabinet. The hell he's not. I mean, he is, come on. Come on, let's be honest. He is closer to Donald Trump. He talks more often to Donald Trump than any member of the cabinet. So he's sort of, okay, an unofficial member of the Trump cabinet. And it turns out Sean Hannity has made, God knows, a lot of money at Fox, right? And Sean Hannity, we found out, who was the mysterious third client of Michael Cohen, he didn't want to be his name to be out there, but the judge rooted it out. Now we know. And Hannity says he only talked to Michael Cohen about real estate, not about covering up any uh, little uh, sex scandal that he might have. Um, So we found out more about the real estate. People have been digging into his real estate. Yeah, Sean Hannity made a lot of money at Fox. 
and he has used that money to buy up distressed properties around the country, um, people who lose their homes because they lost their jobs or they lost their pension or because of the crash of 2008, buying up distressed properties. And it turns out he was buying up distressed properties, particularly lately, with the help of the Department, the Department of Housing and Urban Development and Secretary Ben Carson. And of course, when Sean Hannity interviewed Ben Carson on his show, he never mentioned the fact that this is my friend Ben who is giving me these great big fat loans, enabling me to buy all this property. Uh, you know, it just never ends here. And of course, Hannity says, how dare people criticize me for investing my money in real estate. Nobody's nobody's criticizing him for investing his money in real estate. That's not the problem. The problem is the mission of HUD, the mission of the Department of Housing and Urban Development is to oversee something like 3 million, I think, public housing units in this country and help people who are having a hard time get a roof over their head, find a place to live. It's That's the mission. Public housing is the mission of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. It is not to help wealthy people buy more real estate. It is not to give loans to the wealthy, some of the wealthiest people in this country. Uh, maybe that's what um, Ben Carson is turning it into. That's not the mission uh, of that department. And um, Sean Hannity, again, caught... Uh, caught up in that whole in this in this n- latest little financial scandal to hit the uh, Donald Trump and the Trump White House. Uh, and one final thing before we move on move on here, we just want to bring out. Yesterday we were um, we we told you about the big news in uh, the UK, uh, birth of the new little prince, child number three for William uh, and Kate, the princess. Um, he is now, we, straight, we figured it out, he is Peter, number five in the line of succession because his sister, Charlotte, is ahead of him based on a law passed in 2013 in the U.K. It used to be that any male went ahead of any female in line for the throne. Now, I know you're very interested in this. This <laughs> this could determine your future, yeah. your future king or queen. <laughs> right. So now the line of succession goes to Charles, then to William, then to little Prince George, then to Princess Charlotte, and only after Princess Charlotte now to the new little prince, who is yet unnamed. And Man, you know, I was going to have trouble sleeping tonight. Yeah, and, right. that's why I wanted to. And now I no. feel so much better. That's why I wanted to straighten it out. Thank so, God. So, so now that you know exactly what. That's the, a cool law, though. I'll give them that. Yeah. But I mean, it's still a completely backwards, weird system of the monarchy, like the well, monarchy. Just the fact that, that there is a royal family. It's I insane. Mean, it's totally, completely insane. Totally insane. Right. But I that's mean. cool. <laughs> that's a cool rule in an otherwise completely bizarre system. That's kind of the reason it's cool is because whenever we complain about all the money that we waste in this country. We yeah, can always man. say, look, at least we're not spending least we're gazillions not on a royal family. <laughs> right. All right. Quick break. We'll be back with Daniel Lipman from uh, Politico uh, with all the news of the day, including let's find out what's really going on with this great big state dinner tonight. It is the Bill Press Show on a Tuesday, April 24. 
live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Big special election today out in Arizona, Arizona's 8th. Uh, it is a uh, district that went, Donald Trump won by 21 points, so Republican favored, but it could be a Democratic upset. All eyes today on Arizona 8th. What do you say, everybody? On a Tuesday, April 24, it is the Bill Press Show. A welcome back. Great to have you here today with us. And uh, wonderful to welcome to the studio our good friend Daniel Lippman, who is the uh, Politico uh, at Politico, where he is also the co-author of the playbook. I was thinking this morning, Daniel, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me. I was thinking this morning, you know, it, I remember even before I came back to Washington, I started every day with the hotline, which yeah. Doug Bailey started and Chuck Todd yep. got to start there on the hotline. And that was really, you know, playbook has taken over. Playbook is how long now? <laughs> It's been there for 10, 11 years. 10, 11, yeah, right now. and it, everybody We have an afternoon watches. edition now. We have podcast events. So I know, more than we can almost keep up with. But <laughs> uh, seriously, we start the day in Washington with a playbook, and you should too. And if you just go to politico, politico.com, you can sign up. It doesn't cost you anything. Nope, it's but completely free. But you get free. all, the, uh, all the, uh, the latest takes, including uh, the birthdays of anybody in Washington. <laughs> Who is worth uh, worth noting? Uh, so we've been at it for a little bit here, Daniel. This morning, stirring up a little dust on yep. the uh, t- on Twitter. Yes, indeed, we're on Twitter. Not Donald show. Trump's tweets. We don't count those. No, we haven't read any Donald Trump's tweets I haven't yet. Seen this any. I don't know uh, if he's tweeted or not. I don't know. Oh yes, he has a little bit. All um, right, all Marcia, right. It's supporting Marsha Blackburn. Oh yeah, yawn. BFD. Oh right. yawn. Okay, all right. Well, we we are on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. A uh, couple different comments on a couple different issues. Joey Olivia weighing in on the Sean Hannity story. He says Sean Hannity is part of the Trump administration criminal organization, better known as Taco Trump administration. Criminal organization. I don't think that's going to catch on. I don't think so. But that's, remember that's, the Trump taco, uh, the taco bowl. I love oh, Mexicans. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Happy that Cinco was, de Mayo. That was the, during the campaign, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, On Trump, why he had the uh, taco bowl? That was a controversy for three hours, and then uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the anniversary of that. And is I don't know if people up. are still going to Trump Tower to you know order that specially <laughs> from the restaurant there, or whatever. Uh, on uh, Ronnie Jack. Jackson, Patrick Ridley says, hey, I weigh more than 239, and I'm not as big as Trump is. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, disagree with that. Um, and yeah. one other one other quick comment from Opal, who says, thank you very much, Peter, with all the bad news we had lately. It was so nice to hear about how Uranus smells like methane gas or farts. The yeah. planet Uranus smells like farts. That's, that's, what, what, that's, that's what, what scientists need to know to start your day. If Again, you have a comment. I have no plans to travel to Uranus this year, so I'm not worried about that. <laughs> if you have a comment, find us on Twitter at BP Show. And don't forget, you can find us in the chat room as well, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. All right. So, Daniel, two big dinners this week. Man, this is it for Washington. Yep. We've got the state dinner tonight and the White House Correspondents' Dinner on Saturday. Uh, so uh, I haven't seen the guest list yet. Are you? Uh, are you? They're up for supposed it? to release the guest list tonight uh, for the dinner uh, yeah. for the state dinner, but it's it's really gotten some but controversy th- because they you would know if you were going. Yes, I'm not going this year. Maybe <laughs> future state dinners I can uh, attend. Or, um, but the uh, I'll make sure you know I'll bring you as a plus one. Um, but the interesting thing about the state dinner is that 
uh, this love fest between Macron and Trump is, I think, good news for America and the world. But uh, Trump went against protocol by not inviting many Democrats or members I of think the any media. Right. Yeah, I think there's yeah. one, the Louisiana governor. Oh, uh, John Bell Edwards yeah. is a Democrat. He's he's getting invited because of the but no Louisiana Democratic f- leaders of Congress. No, and uh, no members of Congress. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a France caucus. No, none, uh, none of those Democrats in that uh, body. And uh, you know, he, Trump, after all of the people that uh, you know you had to invite, he only had four extra seats that he wanted to get on. Uh, and Trump aides were worried that. Because he spent last week in Florida, mostly at Mar-a-Lago, that uh, he would just be telling his random rich friends, hey, you should come to dinner. Yeah. And they, so they made sure to uh, put the kibosh on that. <laughs> well, uh, and this dinner will be fairly small. It's in the state dining room. No, no big tent on the South Lawn or anything, right? Maybe there'll be, I wonder if there's going to be any party crashers, like Corley Wadowski or Michael Cohen. Remember oh. during the Obama years? Oh, Salahi. Salahi. Their, their very first event. Yes. Well, a very first state dinner, I should say. Yeah. The difference is Trump might actually invite the Salahis this year. Like, they seem like the type of people who would actually get an invite. Well, yeah. they're no longer a couple. Anyway. Oh, no, that's really? right. That's right. That's oh, no, right. No, for a long time. So, uh, Are just, they still in D.C.? Or? I don't Virginia. know. She, Virginia. Virginia. She married... Uh, she married some drummer, right? A rock, some star. rock star. I forgot which yeah. band it was. It was like yeah. Kansas or something like that. Oh. Right. I remember when that was a big controversy compared to Pruitt and <laughs> Ronnie Jackson. Right, right. So I just want you to know that I actually went to one state dinner. Which uh, one? Uh, under Bill Clinton, I was invited, a member of the media, to, don't ask me why, the state dinner for the president of Argentina. Wow. Do you have any Argentinian blood in the None. <laughs> Never been there or whatever. But I just want to know, I mean, this is as close to royalty as we get, a state dinner. You know, and you, when you go in, the two presidents are there with their spouses, and you know, so there's a receiving line. You shake hands with them. Then there's, of course, a cocktail hour. And this was also in the state dining room. So it was uh, just 150 people, roughly. And um, and a wonderful, wonderful meal and the toast and all that. And then you go into the East Room for the entertainment. Uh, and the entertainment, Argentina. Tango. Oh wow! Right? Yeah. Did everyone get up and dance? Well, first, I was, so first they had a young couple that they had flown in from Argentina who did. That tango was as close to a couple having sex in the East Room as oh. you can imagine. It was the sexiest dance. I, I remember it was the Bill Clinton White House. So this was the Bill Clinton White House. <laughs> of right? course, that was encouraged. Yeah. But <laughs> then there was a different kind of a tango, a little slower and very romantic, beautiful tango performed by Robert Duval and his. Wow. Girlfriend then, now his wife, who is an Argentinian woman. Oh, cool. And a beautiful dad. I mean, was, and who then, else did you meet there? Oh, I forget now. I mean, I, <laughs> I sat alongside of Madeleine Albright because oh, wow. I was lobbying her to take a baseball team to Cuba and oh, uh, and then she could open. What else do the, you remember about the dinner? Any, uh, the first what, what was the food? Or? Well, what I do remember so, so we used to said, so then they said, okay, now everybody get up and tango. Right, and they put the tango music on, and nobody could oh nobody God. could tango. So they finally just went into regular music. Just imagine to... Donald and Melania trying to tango. <laughs> right, but I was wondering those... if you and Madeline Albright tangoed. <laughs> <laughs> but so those are uh, those are uh, those are uh, those are big events, and this is the first one for Trump. Now, then the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and everybody's going to be there, but Donald, uh, Donald Trump. Trump, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, he snubbed it last year. People expected him to actually come this year. Because uh, he went to the Gridiron Dinner. Yep. I think I saw you there. Not I was sure. next year, maybe. Oh, <laughs> I was not at the okay. Gridiron. Oh, right. Okay. Um, uh, but he, it's very hard for him to be, you know, toasting the media, which uh, he thinks is unfairly treating him on a minute by minute basis. And so instead, he's doing what he did last year, which is go to a rally, uh, you know, outside of D.C. and kind of. Uh, you know, organize his own campaign supporters. And, you know, he loves doing the rallies and it, it's a better look for him, uh, for his supporters than hobnobbing with uh, Washington's elite. You know, he doesn't want to be rubbing shoulders with Jeff Bezos, who he, mm-hmm. you know, criticizes on Twitter every day. But, uh, you know, the dinner raises money for journalism scholarships. It's, uh, you know, Washington's premier social event of the year. Uh, and I, you know, I wrote a piece last year about how Trump had, and, uh, and anyone who works for Trump, they had snubbed, uh, dealing with official Washington and really, you know, going out to parties and intermingling because they both have a, you know, suspicion of each other because, uh, Trump people feel like Washington is against them and Washington feels like, uh, the Trump administration is trying to totally disrupt things in a bad way. Right. Um, And last year, basically, all the administration people boycotted the dinner. My understanding is that this year, uh, the press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, is coming. And they've encouraged other people to come. They've encouraged cabinet members, whatever, too. So we might see Mnuchin or Louisa Lynn. I don't know their plans yet, but they like doing the social circuit. Let me tell you, I'll bet you Mnuchin will be there. You know (laughs) damn well Mnuchin. Today in in Playbook, we had Mnuchin spotted yesterday. Last night at Cafe Milano, and on, on Sunday night he was also at Cafe Milano because I was also there. So I saw him with uh, Louise and his uh, and their chief of staff, uh, Eli Miller, at Treasury, and his wife, and also the U.S. ambassador to France, who's uh, in town for the meeting. Okay. Oh, oh, right. So the um, the the thing that maybe some people don't understand is that the White House Correspondents Dinner is not just a dinner; it's a a week, right? It's, like, or it's our weekend. Super Bowl, <laughs> our Super Bowl, or our Oscars. Yeah. Right, with there's, parties starting uh, Thursday, Thursday uh, at six p.m., and then yeah. there's Friday parties, Saturday, Sunday brunches, and so it's this like marathon that uh, leaves me out of breath because of all the parties I'm attending. Uh, yeah, and some of these parties um, are hard to get into, to, to say the yeah, least. Yeah, there a lot. Most of them are invite only, so a lot of people are texting me this week and saying. Hey, can I get into this party, or can you help me here? And thank you very much for answering those texts for <laughs> me, right. Daniel. Yeah. I do. All right. <laughs> I know. Uh, after I look at the list today, I'll, I'll be in. I'll, I'll be. I'll be in line. You'll. You'll hear from me. Do you think this thing, this White House Guards dinner, has gotten out of hand? Uh, that's the question raised every year. Yeah. Uh, I. It used to seem seemingly get out of hand a couple of years ago because there were random. Uh, Hollywood celebrities who probably did not even consume much of the Washington journalism. And this is meant to celebrate the free press uh, holding government accountable, uh, you know, our jobs, basically. And uh, so to have people like, uh, you know, Paris Hilton friends, you know, attending the dinner, it just it strikes a lot of people uh, with, you know, a bad taste in their mouth. But this year and last year, it seems like it's getting back to basics. There's still a ton of parties, but that's unavoidable. It's Washington. People yeah. love to party. Uh, and you know, it's networking, too, because people are trading our meeting sources. They're they're talking to uh, people they work with on a, in a more casual manner instead of just badgering them on the phone uh, for information or for uh, help 
Uh, so, uh, you know, I think it's a it's a good thing that uh, we have these types of traditions, even in the age of Donald Trump. Well, I just want to know. Uh, I, I want to reassure people um, who may feel may feel let down because they didn't get invited to certain parties that these parties are really not as great as you might it's think. Not like they the are. Vanity Fair. You know, uh, uh, off after the Oscars party, that that's a good part, or the netball. Yeah, like that's. But these are, you know, there are some good the, parties, but the it, best parties actually ended after Obama left office because uh, Vanity yeah. Fair, the New Yorker, they used to have great parties, right? Uh, but they didn't want to do it in the age of uh, Trump. When I first got here to Washington, my uh, the Bloomberg party was the yes. was the big party at the old Russian embassy just up from the Washington Hilton, and for like maybe five years. I crashed that party, and that was the fun of it. And then the, the next year I was invited, and it was no fun. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember I, I Bill got, Hemmer, Bill Hemmer, Fox yeah. News, and I would crash that party every year. I got to— uh, I'm not going to tell you how we did it, but— um, I got to, uh, you know, talk to uh, Helen Mirren at that at the Vanity oh, Fair party. Whoa. I remember out on the— uh, at the French ambassador's residence, uh, seeing Reince Priebus on the balcony, and so talking to him, that was you know right as the all of this was uh, you know Trump was coming into uh, place as the GOP nominee. Right. Now you've written about this, but a a big event, um, not quite as big uh, as the White House correspondents dinner or the state dinner uh, down in South Carolina last weekend with the uh, Whip James Clyburn um, and his annual fish fry. Yes. Or he had some interesting things to say. Yeah, he said that uh, if, and he's a member of the House leadership, and well, so he's number three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so for him to be saying these things is is interesting. He said that if Democrats don't take the majority in the House in November, as many people expect, and as Democratic activists are, you know, hungrily awaiting, then uh, everyone in Democratic leadership should leave. Basically, there should be they should clean house because you know obviously if it doesn't work then. Having Pelosi, Hoyer, and Clyburn around is not uh, yeah. making things happen. Right. When he says clean house, he means leader Nancy Starts Pelosi, uh, number two, Steny Hoyer, and number three, James Clyburn himself. Right. Yeah. And, he, you know, they've been around for a long time. They've attracted some criticism for not being the fresh faces of the party that, uh, you know, it's the 21st century. You know, we should, ha you know, I think Democratic activists— a lot of them want people like Seth Moulton or Joe Crowley, people who are younger uh, faces. Uh, and it's not it's not a representative thing of being ageist or, you know, anti-old people. It's more like, uh, you know, this is the future. And so you have to recognize that because voters, who you pick as leaders, represents the party. And so if you're seen as having people yeah. in their 70s, then where are the fresh ideas? If you know, you should you should go to Congress, try to accomplish as much as you can. But if you you know, you shouldn't just stay around for 30 years if you uh, you know haven't done anything. Right. Uh, now, now, a couple of things interesting about that. One is he is saying he implies that if we do win, then we're going to hang around. Yeah. Which a lot of Democrats don't want that either. No, but that's more likely because. They're not going to just toss out the leaders if they you who, know, who won, won that's the house that, back, right? Congratulations, but. please leave. <laughs> and the other thing that was interesting, I think, is that uh, standing alongside of uh, Congressman Clyburn in South Carolina as he made that statement was Congressman Tim Ryan from Ohio. Yep, 
who had uh, ran against Pelosi uh, in oh. this short race the last uh, time, last time uh, didn't win, uh, but is a f- potential future uh, leader in the uh, House Democratic Caucus. And also uh, he's had presidential or vice presidential ambitions, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, right. I think he won- I think he took a stab at vice president the last time, but he certainly is talking about maybe running for president this one time. of our favorite uh playbook items in the last uh, few months was him having lunch uh with frank luntz at the capitol hill club or you know one of those clubs on, on the hill and frank is the architect of republican messaging strategy but uh you know he's widely respected around town and so it's interesting that you had a democratic congressman plotting messaging strategy with a top gop pollster who spotted them I forget, but I, I made sure that it was accurate, and uh, you know Ryan's uh, office didn't uh, dispute it. Yeah, uh, I, well, I'm sure for Tim Ryan that was not; he didn't mind having no, no, that reported. No. But it's right? just interesting. It just like, shows that he's that he's serious. And so sending those spotted Daniel at Politico dot com. Daniel Politico dot com. Randy Jack. Randy Jack. Randy. Randy. Ronnie. 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 Ronnie sorry, Ronnie. No, Doctor Ronnie. Doctor yeah. Ronnie. Your buddy. In a little trouble. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you more hear? than a little. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this this has seemingly uh, had a slow burn but uh, got hotter in the last 12 hours, between 12 to 16 hours, uh, with reporting that suggests uh, a lot of members of the Senate have real questions about whether he's qualified and also uh, whether there are you know, things in his past in terms of different jobs he's had where uh, was he drinking on the job? Was he dispensing, you know, meds that he, uh, you know, shouldn't have done so? Was there an abusive uh, work environment at all? Uh, and, you know, tr- this also illustrates how little vetting that Trump had with this guy. There was no formal interview. They didn't seem to do much research. Uh, and this was after David Shulkin uh, was fired mm-hmm. um, for... You know, he he actually was pretty well, well respected by a veterans organization, so it was unclear why exactly he had gotten on the wrong side of the White House on on some things, especially uh, privatizing the VA. There's still a lot of Republicans out there that want to privatize uh, many functions of the VA, uh, and Shulkin stood up against that. And Shulkin had all the travel stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, the like, Wimbledon trip. Right. It's sometimes hard to keep them tra- keep track <laughs> of all of this stuff. Uh, so. This could be like a Harriet Meyer situation. This has been compared to. So President Bush, he nominated his friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. Doc, we right. haven't heard the name Harriet Meyer's in no, a long time. No, right. I don't even. I think she, she passed our, away a few years ago. Did she really? I, I think yeah. she did. But for our viewers and listeners, Harriet Meyer's was. The Bush uh, was, White House counsel. Yeah, White House uh, counsel. So like Don McGahn's job. And she was nominated to be on the Supreme Court, uh, even though she wasn't uh, in the top flank of. You know, she wasn't like a the, Neil Gorsuch or you know Merrick Garland type. My my favorite part of that story I don't think is she had any judicial experience. No, but my favorite part of that story is she was put in charge of finding the next Supreme Court justice. They said well, we want you to go out and vet the Dick, these people. The Dick Cheney model. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. This is just apparently how George W. Bush hired people. They put right. her in charge of finding somebody. She came back and said, "You know, the best choice is me." Yeah. <laughs> Although, but, like, you have to admit that uh, the way George W. Bush hired seemed to be uh, had a more of a logical process than how Trump oh, hires sure. people. So, no, sure, sure. But, but uh, the response to her from Republicans and Democrats was so negative that she finally yeah. 
pulled her name back, and it looks like that Ronnie Jackson may have to do the same. Uh, so th- we could see something next. But there few was going to and... be a vote today or tomorrow, and the Senate has delayed the vote yeah. because of all because of all these questions. Uh, the other thing, so that uh, that Ronnie Jackson, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's not it's just, he's never run a big agency or a big office, so that's that's one strike against him. Uh, the other the other is people do think he might have been just a tad over the top when after the giving President Trump his annual exam, uh, he told us in the White House briefing room. Some people have, uh, you know, just great genes. You know, uh, I told the president that if he had a healthier diet over the last uh, 20 years, he might live to be 200 years old. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like a, uh, a winning VA secretary for, to me. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect tr- uh, pick for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> in summary, the president's overall health is excellent. His cardiac performance during his physical exam was very good. He continues to enjoy the significant long-term cardiac and overall health benefits that come from a lifetime of abstinence from tobacco and alcohol. There it is. Yep. So, That's actually like one of uh, Trump's qualities that he's, you yeah. know, he's, he stays away from that stuff. Well, some people view it as a quality. It's not a, uh, you know, downside. Yeah. And sure. You can't judge him and say, oh, my God, he doesn't smoke or drink. So how do you explain the bromance between Donald Trump and Emmanuel Macron? It is kind of strange, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, and especially when when you think of the French, you would think that Trump would be like, why, you know, I don't want to have close relations with him. But they, they both disrupted the political order uh, in their respective countries. Uh, you know, the, Macron married someone older than him. Uh, Trump married someone uh, younger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they seem to have this casual relationship and friendship that uh, transcends political ideologies. And I think Macron is smart in that thinking if you want to save the Iran deal or if you want to change Trump's mind on climate change, you can't do it by icing him out. You have to uh, you know, be friendly with him. You have to uh, you know, have you know, lots of chats and call him up every week or two. Uh, and a lot of world leaders have not adopted the strategy much to their potential detriment. Although the Japanese leader, Abe, uh, he tried this and it didn't work because, uh, uh, you know, oh, they think yeah. they, they, he, Jap- Japan feels like the U.S. is negotiating too quickly with North Korea and giving up too much. And also they were hit with some of those tariffs that they're trying to uh, backpedal right now. Right. Well, so I think you're right. And McCron has figured out, I mean, Trump likes to be flattered yep. for sure. Uh, and uh, likes to be paid attention to, and Macron, unlike some of the others, has has not uh, has not hesitated to really try to get close to Trump. So he's become the emissary, if you will, of the EU to Donald Trump. Yeah. Friday, Angela Merkel comes back oh, to yeah. the White House. Right. And Talk about a contrast in how you deal with Donald Trump. Right. It's ice and fire. Right? Although she's her personality in general is more. Cold. Cold. Uh, and she and uh, President Barack Obama took a while to warm up their relations. And so uh, I remember when uh, I was thinking well, about Bush, she would give uh, Angela Merkel a massage. Yeah. The, oh, God, that's quick, right. Quick yeah. little uh, back well, rub. Well, so the question everybody's asked, the people in the, in the press corps that I've talked to are asking whether it, Angela Merkel will get a handshake this time. Remember the last yeah. time they said I think there, they'll get a it was very hug or, or or I think a, you know hug and handshake. 
yeah. Trump likes physical contact a little bit, right. not too much. But there's a lot at stake with the, with uh, with President Macron, that particularly on the Iran nuclear deal, and that's his mission, I think, is to yeah. convince Donald Trump not to pull if out. If Trump of that. pulls out, then Macron's visit uh, will not be but, a, a real success. Seen, yeah, be seen as a total failure. Well, thanks for bringing us up to date on all the parties. Uh, and uh, of course, we'll get back to you later on which ones we haven't been invited. See you to. on the circuit, Bill. It's Politico.com. Uh, sign up for Playbook. This Thank you, Daniel. Is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Okay, get your black tie on. It's a big state dinner tonight at the White House. We know you've all been invited. What do you say hello, everybody? On a Tuesday, April 24, it is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Not on the invitation list either. Sorry about that. Um, but we'll be uh, watching from afar. They haven't released the invitation list yet. be interesting to see uh, who made it and who didn't. All we know is there are no Democratic leaders of Congress uh, on the list. Uh, Donald Trump breaking tradition. Uh, and no members of the media either. It is the Tuesday edition of the Bill Press Show with uh, lots to talk about. Uh, yes, indeed, we found out yesterday uh, exactly how much backbone that Rand Paul has and how much you can believe what he says after vowing no way, no how would he ever support Mike, Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State. All it took was one little phone call from Donald Trump and one more big lie from a Donald Trump for Rand Paul to admit that he had changed his mind voting for Pompeo, who will be before the end of the week confirmed as our next uh, Secretary of State. Things don't look so well, however, uh, for Gina Haskell as uh, the next CIA director, and they certainly are not looking very good this morning for Ronnie Jackson as the next director of the Veterans uh, Affairs uh, Agency. We'll uh, bring you up to date on the news and ask you to do your bit by telling us your comments, what you think about the news. You know how to do so. Go to Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. We'll get, jump right into it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Bill. Yes. We have it. Got it. We have the menu for the oh, state dinner. Oh. Here it is. Here's what will be served at the uh, state dinner. First of all, I didn't realize that White House executive chef Christina Comerford is still there. She was there yeah, during the Barack Obama years. I was Obama surprised years. to see that, too. Uh -huh. She's still there. So what will they be having? It's a three-course meal. It will be a green... Foie gras. No, no foie gras. No foie gras. Uh -huh. uh, a green salad served with uh, uh, greens, lettuces, and herbs that were... Uh, uh, grown on the White House premises from the White House garden. There will be a rack of lamb 
with Carolina Gold Rice Jambalaya. And for dessert, a nectarine tart with ice cream. And in the tart, they will use honey from the White House honeybees. Very good. Remember we had that? They will also have... <laughs> right. uh, I've seen that um, hive down there. Don't get too close. Uh, no. Don't get right. too close. Uh, they will have different wines uh, grown in... Or, uh, wines produced in Oregon, a Chardonnay from Oregon, and a Pinot Noir from Oregon. And... They will also be using China from the Bill Clinton and the George W. Bush administration. Uh, entertainment will be provided by the Washington National Opera. Yeah. Oh, right. So there's a nice a little mix there with the rack of lamb, which is kind of a traditional French. Sure. You know, but yeah. then the Carolina rice and the Louisiana jambalaya. Exactly. You know, so yeah. Exactly. Yes. So nice. Yes. Franco-American. That sounds pretty yeah. good. Yeah. To be honest, good. that sounds pretty good. Now, will Trump eat it? No. He's having uh, a, a well-done slab of steak. <laughs> exactly. Or a piece of meatloaf yeah. covered with ketchup. Can someone go run, make a uh, McDonald's yeah. run for me? And will he get two desserts or just one? That's a good, uh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Two nectarine tarts for him. Yeah. By the way, we had a big baby uh, born yesterday, Bill. We, talk, we, we talked a little bit about the royal baby. That's not the baby that I'm talking about. There was a woman who was in an Uber during rush hour in New York oh City. Oh, my God. And, you know, when the baby's ready to come, the baby's going to come. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. what the baby did in the oh. Lincoln Tunnel yesterday oh, afternoon. God, really? A baby was born, a little <laughs> girl, born in an Uber in the Lincoln Tunnel. Sounds like a Tom Waits song, born in traffic in the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah. But that's the baby is healthy. Mother's doing fine. Everybody's good. But they had nowhere to go. You're in the tunnel. You're in heavy traffic. What do you do? You, but, you can't do anything. Yeah. But I don't even know. Uber has a special rate for that. <laughs> right. You know, when you go into Uber, they say, you know, do you want Uber X or do you want the uh, baby delivery Uber? Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Yep, get your dancing shoes on. It is the big White House dinner tonight, the state dinner, the first one under the uh, Trump administration uh, with President Emmanuel Macron of France. Hello, everybody. Uh, we're starting the celebration right here this morning, Tuesday, April 24th, The Bill Press Show live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and joining you everywhere in this great land of ours, wherever you happen to be, uh, watching on Free Speech TV, listening on WCPT out in the Chicago area, or joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. With all the news of the day, big uh, yeah, state visit, big vote uh, coming up for the new Secretary of State. It looks like he will be confirmed uh, but the nomination of Ronnie Jackson to be the next VA secretary seems to be on the rocks today for sure. Uh, we'll bring you up to date with all of that with the help of our good friend now from uh, AP. I still think of you as uh, <laughs> CNN, White House reporter for AP, Tom Lobianco. Hey, Tom, how are you? Hey, good to be here, Bill. Thanks, good man. To, good, to, good to see you. These are busy days, huh? Yeah. Although they're nice days, too, finally. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. Finally. No, that's yeah. right. Baseball's that. back. The weather doesn't suck. Yeah. Uh, but a big political day, too. Um, I know we've had a chance to uh, catch up on 
uh, special election out in Arizona, in Arizona's eighth today. Mm-hmm. Um, a district that went 21 points for Donald Trump, and so it's a district that Republicans, it should be like automatic. Um, but nothing's automatic these days. No, yeah. not at all. Uh, you know, we were talking about a uh, couple of uh, reporters. Uh, we were talking about this last night, actually. Um, you know, what what will be the margins in the midterms? What will the House look like afterwards? Um, what are your barometers for something like this? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of it depends on turnout, everyone right. says. Uh, there have been polls that show. So the, the Republican, Debbie Lesko, again, Republicans have sunk a lot of money in here because they really want to hold on to this seat. Uh, the Democrat has shown surprising strength. Her name, Haral Tipperneni, I guess is pronounced mm-hmm. it. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, somebody with a name like that, you would think they could never win. And then I thought, well, there was a guy named Barack Obama, right, who was elected <laughs> president, right? When I first heard his name, I thought, oh, no, buddy, with a name like that, they could never win. So, but she's an emergency room physician, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the last poll I saw saw showed it was tied. And among independents, Tipperneni had a sixty-three to twenty-five advantage over Debbie Lesko. Oh, wow. So independents were really breaking big time. Yeah, the Democrat. So I, I would say Republicans that Debbie Lesko will probably still win the seat, but. Uh, it could go the other way, and I think Democrats will show surprising strength in a again in a in a Trump district. And, you know, I mean, there's there's two kind of markers, right? Or it feels like markers for something like this, which is uh, one. Uh, well, your I mean, your midterms are always base affairs, right? They're base voter affairs mm-hmm. to begin with, mm-hmm. um, and the Democratic base is jazzed. Uh, it, you know, right. not surprisingly. Enthusiasm gap, as they're calling it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So you start from there and you know, look at the margins. This is where we were arguing about last night. You know, does you know, is it a win? Does it have to be a win? Or can you know, is it closing those gaps, those twenty point Trump gaps um in some right. of these districts? Um, what constitutes <laughs> a win? Um and then the second thing is uh recruiting. Um so Rahm Emanuel was up on the Hill last year uh, doing a briefing for, I think it was the Democratic Policy, DPCC. I'm going to screw up the name. I always forget it. But it's the um, it's the um, one of the leadership groups for the, the House Democrats. And he was kind of helping them figure out uh, how do you go forward in 2018? How do you try to how do you take back the House? And the thing he told them was you have to target incumbents and you have to force retirements. The only way you do it is by forcing retirements. So there's been this perfect storm. I don't know whether he saw it coming or anyone saw it coming, but a lot of the look, what's this Arizona um, moment? It's the it's it's a part of the Me Too moment, which is uh, Frank's was trying to you know uh, ask uh, the staffers of his office apparently to carry his babies for yeah. five yeah, million dollars. Right. Yeah, I mean it's so you know this is the perfect storm in terms of. What are the the pieces that lead to a, a major switch in control? Um, it kind of sometimes it feels like the like the Tea Party of the of the left, mm-hmm. so to say. You know, the recruiting's up. The, you have an ER physician here. I remember, um, you know, it, it, with the Tea Party in 2010, you had a lot of people who had never done politics before who were getting who were, who were carried into office. People you never expected to win being carried into office. Now, and the funny thing is, now they've been there for eight years. Mm-hmm. Right. right. 
So this is, these are the seats that Democrats uh, have to go after. Um, by the way, back to your initial question, a win is a win. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it would be very gratifying to say Democratic turnout was twice as big as it was the last time around. And uh, instead of he, Trump carried it by 21 and she only won by two or something like that, that, could, that, that might make you feel good. But a win <laughs> is a win. Yeah. Right. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> that, that, that's what you've got what, what to look for. Uh, but you can't win them unless you fight for them, and this is a, this is a real a real challenge. By the way, it's also just worth mentioning that there is a an incumbent. There have been a lot of resignations. A lot of people resigned. I think it's up to thirty now. But uh, in Colorado yesterday, the Supreme Court told one Republican member of Congress, his name is Doug. I never heard of him, Doug Lamburn. Oh, that he is off the primary ballot. Oh, he did not get enough signatures. Oh. Which is, that's pretty basic. I mean, if, if you're running for office in a, a state where you have to have so many signatures to qualify for the ballot. Politics 101. Politics 101, yeah. You don't take any chances. You get the people that you know can do the job, and you get twice as many signatures as you need. Always twice as many. Because some of them are going to be declared invalid. Uh, he blew it. He didn't get enough signatures. and they've Now, he could still run. But he'd have to do a write-in campaign or something. Yeah. Imagine got, the message you'd have to go to voters. I'm the perfect guy I to keep things up. in order yes, and make right. things work. <laughs> I mean, what's the like the most basic rule of politics? I'll keep the trains running on time. Yeah. Except when it comes to actually <laughs> running my campaign, which I royally screwed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. So I really uh, screwed up. So now I, d- I want you to write my name in. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 get my back for me here, y'all. I if you forget my name, you can write in Lisa Murkowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, worked for her, but yeah. man, I'm telling you. Um, so we think of you still, um, maybe unfairly, Indiana, man, you were the guy who was carrying, <laughs> you were covering Mike Pence when nobody knew who Mike Pence was. Um, and now, tell us about his brother. Oh, Greg. Yeah. Greg Pence, yeah, running for Congress, right? right? Yeah, um, got some issues. Uh, yeah, you're referring to the Keel brothers' bankruptcy. Uh, you name it. Yeah, right. Um, some financial issues. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that. that his, the, his track record is not. Keel brothers was the old. It's not exactly the Pence family business, but they kind of kind of kind of became the Pence family business. Um, and, uh, you know, to be entirely honest here, I have not gotten to that part in my book yet. I'm kind of going you're, chronologically uh, in the reporting. So um, You're writing a book about Mike Pence. Yes. Right. So, um, but Greg used to be, so, okay, family history, right? Pence's father, uh, Edward Pence, was a VP, um, there uh, and they're a regional oh, gas distributor. Yeah, so they they would sell gas to the uh, to the marathon gas stations around there, and they had some convenience stores around Central right. Indiana, um, you know, some other places around. And um, uh, so their father dies in 1988, actually in the middle of um, Pence's very first campaign for Congress. Hmm. Very young, has a heart attack. Um, I think he was only 58 years old, and. Um, Greg Pence, um, I don't know how he got in there. I don't entirely know this story, um, but he got into what at that point had become basically the family business. The Pences were very involved right. in Keel Brothers, 
it wasn't their business per se, but yeah. he did rise to become president of the company. And I believe it was in about 2004, um, they were having just a, a heck of a time dealing with the explosion in convenience stores, uh, consolidation of convenience stores. Uh, and I think they almost had a, they almost had a suitor. It was, um, oh boy, it was a company out of Wisconsin. Yeah. And um, but well, it went well, under. But they well, found the yeah, bankruptcy. For what I read, he, he had um, with the oil business or the gas business, and with the convenience store business, right? Maybe bankruptcies in both, or financial failures in both. The Greg Pence, and also as a candidate, he's refused to debate any of his opponents. He's sort of just riding on his name recognition <laughs> and uh, uh, and hoping that you know because his his brother is a vice president, that's going to boost him into. Uh, uh, into Congress. Um, well, it's the wildest thing because you know the Pence was the was the only one who really had the political bug in his family. All right, there wasn't. I mean, this isn't like the uh, like the Kennedys or the Bushes or the right. you know the Clintons, where every, you know everyone's running for yeah. a seat. It, um, it was just Mike. Yeah. Right? Uh, so is there rumors that or reports even that um, that Trump is nervous about. He thinks Mike Pence may be a little bit too eager. <laughs> From your read of Pence, is he sort of playing it safe, knowing that he might be catapulted into the presidency before before 2020, <laughs> the way Donald Trump is going, well, either he, because of Robert Mueller or yeah. whatever? He has to. His, he, so he has a superpower, right, which is just... On, a just super like a superpower, a superpower, a superhuman powers. Oh, oh, all right, yeah. superhuman political powers. All right, yeah, which is just a, amazing caution and discipline. All right, if anyone could ride out this, it's it's Pence. And um, you know, when I when I talk with uh, his people, just kind of getting general updates, uh, the sense is that um, that he is playing it safe right now. Um, you know, he doesn't really want to be seen as trying to push Trump out or do anything that could, right? You know, be perceived. But at the as same time, Trump he wants out. to be seen as capable of stepping up, right? Right. I mean, there have been multiple signs that he is maybe not trying to ride it out, but as you as you point out, like to be ready in case Trump goes down, yeah. he's got to be the guy. Right? Like, yeah. if Trump goes down, there has to be a sign from Mike Pence that I'm ready to go. And he's distanced himself from Trump on some things that might be perceived as scandalous. He's towed the line between being an enabler and a, not a critic. I wouldn't say he's anything critical of Donald Trump, but certainly hasn't gotten completely on board with certain things. No. At he the same know. time, he butters up. Donald oh yeah, Trump better than oh anybody. yeah, God, oh yeah, to the point of just sickening almost. Which right? is funny because Trump clearly hates him. Like Trump does not like him by the reporting that we've heard and the way that he acts about. Like they're not buddies. Like um, I'm not sure that he hates them. Hates they, them might be strong. Hates them might, might be strong. I mean, I but they're not they're, buddies. They're an odd couple. You yeah, know? Uh, That's I mean, the, yeah, they're, they're an odd yeah. couple and. So here's so I've been doing a little national security reporting recently um, as part of the offshoots of this Russia investigation. Yeah, I want to get to about getting that. Getting into the national security world, you know, invariably we talk about Pence because it's a it's a constant topic. 
But one of the funny things is um, I don't have to I don't bring it up. So I'll have meetings with folks and, um, you know, we'll talk about, uh, you know, whatever's going on with, um, you know, the Middle East, um, uh, concerns about Iran, et cetera. And um, the third or fourth topic we get to is unprovoked. They will bring up, um, you know, I'd really love Pence to be president. And these are foreign policy hawks, uh, uh, pro-Israel, um, uh, I don't want to say establishment, but, uh, you know, pretty, you know, staunch conservatives and unprovoked. They say, you know, we're just dying for Pence to be president right now. And so I pry him a little bit. I say, you know, what's, you know, why is that? And they're like, well, you know, we just don't know what he's good, what Trump's going to do. I'm like, how do you see Pence? And they say, we see him as a uh, um, break glass in case of emergency. And there he is. All right. Yeah. And that's but he's kind of behind the glass, right? He's kind of, you know, he's not, he can't come out in front. He's the fire extinguisher that lets you know that the, the whole building won't burn down. Well, I got to tell you, in my own, uh, the way I see it is if there are a hundred reasons why uh, Donald Trump should go, uh, there's one reason why he should stay. Uh, you know, and it's, and it's Mike Pence. Um, the Democratic National Committee. Filed a lawsuit this yeah. week uh, against the world, right? Yeah. Against the Trump campaign, right. <laughs> against Russia, against WikiLeaks, uh, because of the uh, hacks of the uh, of the DNC, right? Of which they say did an Im- I- I- immeasurable damage to um, not only to the DNC but to the country. Uh, w- what do you think of this lawsuit? How sound is it? What are the chances? Are what's it going to mean? Well, um, you know, serious. Yeah. Well, yes, very serious. Um, There's some questions of inside the um, the party. You know, obviously there were some, as you recall, there were some very sore feelings after 2016. Um, A lot of hurt feelings with Comey, uh, for instance. Yeah. And, you know, there's that um, that showdown. um, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and um, other Democrats had grilled him um, in in a private briefing saying, you know, why didn't you go? to uh, why didn't you come to Wasserman DWS directly? You know, if this is, you know that the that the Russians are hack, have, have broken into one of the two major parties in the United States of America and stolen X number of emails, you know, why would you let this sit with a low-level IT contractor? Um, there's still sore feelings about how Barack Obama handled it. You know, they didn't, yeah. you know. It took the election and and the presumption of Clinton winning you know, to and that but, that evaporating. But they didn't sue Barack Obama. <laughs> no, they did not. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if, if, to for the party to uh, to engage lawyers and really to do all this research. I mean, um, uh, it's going to take a lot of resources. With the, some of the Democrats that I've talked to say, you know, what's the party? This why did, why do it take so long? Why they wait so long? Yes. And also, um, isn't this going to deflect from what they ought to be focusing on this year, which is winning the midterm elections? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I that's a good question, though. And, you know, the other thing I think about, too, is the the DNC in comparison of the RNC. Because the DNC is not the juggernaut that it used to be. Um, some of that's, a, a, you know, a, a leftovers from the, from the Obama era, 
where he kind of created that parallel party structure mm-hmm. um, after after the 08 primaries. Some, some sore feelings out of that, too. Um, so I think there was a big staff. Wasn't there a big staff shakeup over at the DNC a couple months ago? Uh, they have uh, a new executive director. I don't know what that was all about. But. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not quite the same thing as the RNC. The RNC is a little more integral to um, Republican Party politics when we're thinking of uh, – mm-hmm comparisons on this but you know i mean think back to uh to the uh to the dnc convention in philly i mean remember all the sanders delegates who were just i i mean irate people you know well remember and yeah. people were angry at sanders no. when he when he let it go on i think what was it that thursday when he said he said that he would support hillary clinton and he would ask all of his delegates I mean, it was, you know, there was this, almost a sense of despair. Well, they're angry because he th- the emails proved, or the hacked emails, right, proved that what, Ber- what Bernie had been claiming all along was true. Yeah. That the staff of the DNC <laughs> right. under Debbie Wasserman Schultz was trying to tilt the election, the primary, to Hillary Clinton. Yeah. They were helping raise money for her. They were in cahoots. The whole thing. It was, it was, and... Uh, and at, at the same time, trying to do anything they could to undermine Bernie Sanders. Bernie was saying that nobody believed him. I believed him. Yeah. Uh, and then um, the emails come out and say, "Oops, boy, that's exactly <laughs> what they were doing." But that—that's kind of uh, off the point of what I was asking about, which is whether or not this lawsuit is because because there's the Mueller investigation going on. Okay, you've right. been, you've been reporting on that now. Instead of waiting for the Mueller investigation to conclude, and maybe it takes some action, the the the, the, the DNC has said no. We're going to have our own lawsuit right. on some of the same issues, uh, and I guess first, some judge has to say, okay, this lawsuit has legitimacy; it can go forward. If it does, then they get into discovery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they can call in. I don't know. Assange so, or people from the Trump campaign to say exactly what was your role here. So when I, I I checked with them on this, when was this Friday when they filed it? I I have a hard time remembering days anymore. Um, in it, was, administration. Uh, it, it was it was fifteen years ago. Yes, yeah. Friday. Yeah, no, no, it Friday. feels like fifteen Friday. years ago. <laughs> um, and um, it, what they told me, what the DNC says, a couple of things. So on logistics, I'm sorry, sorry, I should have gotten directly to your, to your question rather than reminiscing about six sixteen, <laughs> which no, the the election that never ends. <laughs> right. Um, uh, they said that um, the precedent for this, the DNC filed suit against Nixon's reelection campaign. Uh, I think it was 1973, seeking damages for the break-in at the Watergate at their headquarters. Uh-huh. And as it was paid out, it was, um, it was um, the Library of Congress found this for us. I think it was seven hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar settlement in 1974. Whoa. Um, uh, and it was like right is either right as or after Nixon was leaving office. So there's one precedent. Now, if you ask the, the DNC lawyers about this, um, so what you know, w- what do you have to go on? What 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 reason do you believe yeah. this would be successful? They tell you, well, there's not not a lot of case law on this. It's that one suit, and and then that's it. Um, well, okay, how much money do you want? Um, well, uh, going to leave that to the judge. Although we, we and it says this in the suit, and they think that the damages are in excess of the millions, uh, millions of dollars. Um, you know, they also cite some intangibles like death threats that were filed against uh, staff 
Um, right. uh, so it's it's a little out there. Can you go after Russian nationals for something like this? Eh, probably not. You know, that's that's going to be a lot harder. You don't. Um, this is a civil suit, not a criminal suit. Um, and uh, but you know, the Trump reelection campaign, and now you know. So we have to be fair here. Um, uh, the Trump campaign says there's absolutely no merit to this. Um, you know, I don't think they use the term well, fake news, but um, I'm but, sure they well, would they say could that. Call, they, they could call it a witch hunt, um, <laughs> except that phrase has been maybe overused. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, that's exactly what Donald Trump says about the Mueller investigation. Uh, and and in your reporting on national security on the Mueller investigation, what is the sense of where the Mueller investigation is going next? I mean, is it? Is it they? Apparently, they told Trump he's not a target. Yeah. Okay. What does that mean? Does it mean he's off the hook? Does that mean they're winding up? They've found what they can find. What do we know? Uh, you know, um, I'm very uh, small C conservative when it comes to all things Mueller. Um, I feel like whenever we talk about what he is doing without actually knowing what he is doing, he always has a, a gigantic surprise for us. Um, you know, remember that they filed the indictment against the Internet Research Agency. Um, George Papadopoulos is now a household name, um, you know, yeah. from low-level coffee boy to, uh, you know, jet-setting, um, uh, you know, playboy, whatever, um, now that he's cooperating. Um, so it's very hard to say where it's going. When is it going? We don't know. Here's what we do know. Um, Rick Gates top uh, operative inside the Trump campaign. Paul Manafort's deputy. Paul Manafort's deputy is cooperating uh, with the probe. He made he agreed to a plea deal. Uh, that's important. He had a lot of visibility into the upper echelons of the Trump campaign. Um, this is something that starts to get you, um, it, depending on which way Mueller wants to go with this, this does get you into the upper ranks of the campaign. Um, you know, a lot of question, will Paul Manafort flip? Um, that him and his people say no, uh, you know, that, that's never going to happen. Right. Uh, well, well, Paul Manafort flipped, but then all the questions today are also are a lot of questions about whether Michael Cohen will flip, um, depending on what his potential <laughs> sentence would be. Who was it yesterday who said he might be willing to take a two-year bullet for Donald Trump? <laughs> But he may not be willing to take a 15-year or a 30-year bullet for Donald Trump, Michael Cohen. I get that. Huh? You know, I, 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 I get, get that. that. Yeah. I get that. I totally get that. But I also could hell, see— Hell, I wouldn't take a 24-hour bullet for would Donald I, would Trump. Would I but... take a 15-year bullet for my employer, Bill Press? Oh. Uh, no, is the answer. No is the answer. Wow. Sorry, buddy. Uh, listen, I, I, would con- I would consider you a total idiot if you said yes. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hey, Peter's good for like 30 days. Uh, max. No, no, not even. Max. Max. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not so sure that Michael Cohen will flip. I mean, he, he, he strikes me as that kind of weirdly loyal, wannabe, mafia kind of guy, you know, where he thinks that, like, the best thing, the most honorable thing you could do is to do your time and not complain about it and not rat your friends out. I could I could totally, I mean, everybody seems to have made up their mind that he's going to flip. He's going to flip. Yeah. I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's hard to tell. You know, one of the interesting things is immediately after that raid, the, the thing I was hearing from people um, – who had been been in the White House, around the White House, um, people, Trump allies, 
the the feeling was uh, some some worries because what they were worried about is oh we don't know what he has right and this was before we yeah. you know before we found the you know the payments um, to uh, Stormy Daniels McDougal um, the um, uh, Elliot Brody uh, person who I've written about the who was involved with George Nader we found out that um, there was a payment by uh, for him to a playmate for one point six million dollars yeah. he had retained Michael Cohen. Um, you know, it's, I mean, and when you start seeing that pile up, you're like, well, what else is right. paid off? Right. Look, would he flip? He's a New York lawyer. Damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right he'd That's flip. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I think there's any, you know, any morality there at right. all? No. I don't think it's a moral or loyalty, issue, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. All right. Uh, quick break here. Tom Lobianco's uh, hanging with us as a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Thank you again, Tom. You got it. And Jen Bendery standing by from HuffPost, uh, covers the Hill and the White House for HuffPost, joining us here around the table. And you're there. Your seat as well. Always welcome. And your comments, always welcome on Twitter at BP Show. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. And on this Tuesday, April 24, wrapping up here on a great Tuesday, a nice spring day in Washington, D.C., the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, And remember, if you haven't already done so, uh, check out the new book, From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire, with all the great endorsements on it. Bernie Sanders on the front. Thank you, Senator Sanders, again, as well as Jerry Brown and uh, Maxine Waters. Rosa DeLauro, Nancy Pelosi, Tucker Carlson, Joe Scarborough, and Ann Coulter? Yes, indeed, Ann Coulter. At any rate, go to our website, uh, BillPressShow.com, and find out uh, more about it. Available, of course, wherever books are sold, and also um, through our website. Tom Lobianco is here from the AP as a friend of Bill for the entire hour and another great friend of ours. Back again from HuffPost. Jen Bendry. Hi, Jen. It's great to see Hi, you. Hi, Bill. Good to see you. And you. Uh, so, looks like we're going to have a new Secretary of State, huh? Yes, it does. And we can thank Rand Paul for folding like a pile of laundry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Man. Rand Paul. Talk about a profile of courage. We, uh, uh, up until yesterday, <laughs> Rand Paul said, no way, no how I vote for this Mike Pompeo because... He was a full supporter of the war in Iraq, and that's a wrong war. We should never have gone there, and I cannot vote for anybody who supports that war. And then yesterday, Rand Paul tells us at the hearing... I have changed my mind. I have I've <laughs> decided to go ahead and vote for Director Pompeo because uh, he's assured me that he's learned the lesson. I've changed my mind. <laughs> God. And I like that it's because he assured him that he has learned a lesson from yeah. the Iraq war. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, he will vote for him. Right. I mean, so. It's classic. Grand Paul always flips. He does. I I called this like a week ago. Yeah. He always flips. He gets a call from President Trump and says, oh, no, Mike Pompeo has changed his mind about the war in Iraq. (laughs) And he believes it? Yeah. We all knew he was going to flip. Yes. Yes. Um, And then it gets kind of interesting because some Democrats are going to vote for him and then some aren't who might, who people thought might have. So. There's a really interesting split on this one. But, yeah, it looks like he's going to get through now. Okay, so, Tom, you spent a good part of your life so far reporting in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So Joe Donnelly is one of the Democrats. He's up for re-election right. in a red state who said he's going to vote for Michael Pompeo. So did Joe Manchin in West Virginia, Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota. 
all of them, starting with Joe Donnelly, thinking that because they have a tough reelection in a red state, yeah. they have to vote for Pompeo. Do you think the people of Indiana give a rat's ass <laughs> about whether or not he votes for Mike? Honestly, is, is his reelection going to hinge on whether or not he votes for Mike Pompeo? Eh, not one of those, but if you do a dozen of those and, and it stacks up, I mean, people do pay attention to that back home. Um, and, you know, no, not a single one will ever do that, but I, I do think that uh, that that counts for him. If he were like the total anti-Trumper, you're saying, right, opposed everything that Trump wanted, right. then maybe, then that would count? Yeah, it, yeah right. he's not, he's not... He's not a firebrand, you know. That's just not. That's just not no, who he is. No, there are not a lot. I mean, to be honest with you, Hoosier really ain't firebrand when you, when it comes down to it. I mean, <laughs> Hoosier Hoosier pops out diplomats and you know uh, moderates and you know people who like bipartisan type things uh, for the most part. Um, but Jen, Jen I like think Mike Pence. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I just think a real firebrand. <laughs> This logic to me that, oh, boy, you know, they're in a red state and they're up for re-election, that they have to basically just cave on all this stuff. I don't, I don't buy the I don't buy the logic. Well, I, I think with the secretary of state, that's a very, very high level position. So if you vote against if Donnelly votes against Pompeo, maybe not in itself, people care. But imagine campaign ads going forward like. You know, Joe Donnelly has st- tried to fight Trump every step of the way, and I'm sure they could pull up other things that he's voted against. And now they could add yeah. a new frame with he voted yeah. against the secretary of state. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could see how that could hurt him politically. But at the same time, then why are you in Congress? You know, what do you want to do as a senator? Do you do you truly support Mike Pompeo or are you just doing this because you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to lose in your election? So I I. I don't know. I'm not surprised at all that yeah. he's going to vote for him. Right. So This is so not a hill worth dying on, in my opinion. It's a, it's a secretary of state who will get uh, be unusual for a secretary. Like, I think John Kerry, I saw this yesterday, John Kerry, um, uh, Hillary, maybe Hillary, I forget. Uh, secretary of state usually get a wide margin of votes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and uh, who am I blank on Hill? Um, Car- Car- uh, George Bush's Condoleezza Rice. Yeah. I'm sorry, Condoleezza Rice. Unanimous. John mm-hmm. Kerry. Unanimous. Pompeo will get maybe 52 votes or 53 votes. Not a great big. <laughs> right. Well, that's been happening consistently throughout right. Trump's administration, and it happened under Obama's. So it's. I mean, times have changed. Civility is right. yep. has waned, and people are taking much more partisan. What is happening in the House post Paul Ryan? Uh, it's not yet post Paul Ryan. He's still but there. He's still there. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> happening. Right. He's still in there. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's got to change, right? With Paul Ryan announcing that he's stepping down, he's not going to run for re-election. Well, he's already uh, is talking. He, is he? Are people still taking him seriously? Is he still able to have some clout and raise money? Yeah, he he raises a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he's already made it clear that he wants uh, Kevin McCarthy to succeed him. Um, some people want him to step down now because between now and November, it could get a little awkward because people are just sort of waiting for him to leave. And that yeah, could help. Yeah, that could lead yeah. to other more fringe Republicans in the caucus deciding they might want to run for speaker and mm-hmm. mounting a campaign. And then by the time we get to November, they could maybe have a whole team of mm-hmm. supporters who want to 
get that person in instead of Kevin McCarthy. So there's always these dynamics going on in speaker races. But, I mean, Paul Ryan raises a lot of money for the party, and people still look, treat him as the speaker and respect him as the speaker. And So do you think it's um, a, a slam dunk that Kevin McCarthy replaces him? I wouldn't call it a slam dunk because it is early. It's, what are we, April? And we've got like six months. He was a lot the, can happen in six months. He was going to be the speaker one other time. Yeah, he was. Do you remember out, why right? he didn't he <laughs> pulled himself out? Yeah, yeah. Did because, a little scandal? Was, I thought it was the Freedom Caucus. Or, or the, uh, that wasn't the only the piece. Anyways. Well, do, <laughs> no, I don't remember. No, do, I don't remember. Do, do, well, there was, yeah, come on. There were... There was certainly talk that part of the reason that he didn't want to get his name in there and run, even though he was like basically handed the seat if he wanted it, uh, was because there was a lot of talk that he was he had had an affair with another member of Congress uh, and who lost her race. And uh, there was just that piece of it. And there was that was certainly bubbling up at the time. Um, I don't think either one of them confirmed it, but that had been floating out there for a while. And that happened to be out in the news cycle at the same time as the speaker's race. And I think that it certainly looked like he did not want any more attention on himself at the time. Right. Yeah. So that was that was a piece of it. Remember he made that he made the gaffe. So they, they found their cover when they if depending on who you believe in this. And, you know, that I, 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 I that chatter has been out there for forever. And and. and no less than Walter Jones himself memorialized it in letter format circulated inside the Republican conference, and, oh. which is how I think how we all started hearing about it. Or I mean, chatter had been out there, but at least there was something solid at that yeah, point. Yeah, that was the first concrete <laughs> piece of something so, on it. <laughs> Walter Jones and solid. There you go. Yeah. Together in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> uh, but the Freedom Caucus yet has not swung behind Kevin McCarthy, have they? I mean, they never still- really swing behind anybody though they're always kind of agitating on the sides and suggesting that jim jordan's gonna run or another prominent freedom caucus member is gonna run so that's always there i think right now i i don't see i mean kevin mccarthy is well liked um i it's i don't see any real challengers to him right now but it is so Mm -hmm. early for this Right. That it's hard to tell. I mean, a lot can happen between now and November. Uh, on the Democratic side, uh, very interesting in uh, down in South Carolina last weekend at his annual fish fry, um, James Clyburn, who's he's he's not the whip. Right. Of course, he's. I he's forget not. what he's his title is. He's the assistant Democratic leader. Yeah. Assistant Democratic leader. Number three in the yes. leadership. Yeah. Um, he actually made the statement at his fish fry that if Democrats do not take the, back the House, pardon me, in, in this year, mm-hmm. in November, that the entire leadership, Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, and himself, James Clyburn, should step down Wow, uh, for new leadership, which coming from him was pretty remarkable. Wouldn't you agree? I, you c- cover the House? Uh, yes, uh, it is. I mean, they're all in their 70s, and there's been, this comes up every every two years. Every right. two years, People are like, everyone in our leadership is in their 70s. It's time for fresh blood. But for someone in the leadership to say it. Yeah, but J- Jim Clyburn also, he, he will go off script uh, more than the others. <laughs> um, I think as he gets older, he's more like, YOLO, I'm just going to say what I think. And, you know, maybe that means he's ready to go. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more personal. And remember, that, like, uh, remember that Super Bowl commercial with Steven Tyler where he gets in the uh, the, the race car oh, and he yeah. drives in reverse and, and he pops out and he's 40 years younger? <laughs> yes, and, uh, I do remember that. I, I think maybe there's some people over there that think that's possible. <laughs> but but Clyburn is giving us the reality, which is that every two years that stacks on top. There is no There is no time machine. <laughs> and there's a lot of pent-up frustration inside the caucus. There is. At the same time, I feel like this has come up for, what, five, six, seven, eight years every yeah. every cycle that it's time for new blood. Um, I understand. I can see it both ways. I mean, at the same time, you got to give Pelosi credit. She raises totally. a totally. lot of money, lots of money, which is not everything, but that's a big piece of being a successful party leader. Um, she's very good at whipping her caucus. She keeps them extremely controlled on mm-hmm. votes where they need to stay together. She, I, I mean, the, t- those two pieces alone are very, very telling of her abilities. So, you know, in some sense, why why should she go? Right. Uh, and uh, also implied in, in Clyburn's message is that if we do win, we're here to stay. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. He didn't say in no. November we should all have no. new leaders. Uh-uh. He said no. if we lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> And maybe, you know, maybe he consulted with Hoyer and Pelosi before he even said that, because maybe they do. Maybe the three of them are ready for a change if they lose. Do they really want to sit through another two-year cycle of being in the minority when they've been doing this for so long? It's not as fun in the minority. Yeah. I, you know, I could see, I know all three of them pretty well, I could see that maybe one of them might reach that decision, but I don't, I think for all three of them, <laughs> no. Uh, without getting into <laughs> any more of the personalities there. I think uh, all three, it'd be unlikely that all three of them would say that. Um, we've been watching, and we've talked before, about the efforts to get some changes in the Congress um, on the, the way sexual harassment charges or um, you know complaints or whatever are handled. Uh, what's going on? Is I'm glad Congress you asked. Up to the I feel plate? like this is not getting enough attention. Congress has a lot of problems with sexual harassment, as we've seen and with lots yeah. of lawmakers resigning in embarrassment in both parties and, and the Senate and the House. Um, like really weird stuff has been happening with some of these lawmakers. Remember Trent Franks? He asked <laughs> yeah. female aides yeah. if oh. they would uh, carry his child mm-hmm. and he would pay them. Really weird stuff. So, um, Blake Farenthold, who finally well, there's Blake Farenthold who resigned and didn't pay back $84,000 in taxpayer money for settling his sexual harassment lawsuit against him. There's, there's all kinds of gross stuff going on. But so Congress decided maybe we should pass a bill that overhauls our process for right. handling sexual harassment. <laughs> what a concept in the era of Me Too. So uh, the House passed this bill overwhelmingly. There was not a single no vote. It was a voice vote. It just it's a bill that overhauls the whole process, which and it basically tilts the uh, it makes it a lot easier for victims of sexual harassment to to file a complaint and to be taken more seriously and to get a faster uh, conclusion mm-hmm. and to have it be public when somebody is uh, found guilty. So a lot of reforms that that lean that help the victim in this process. So the House passes the bill overwhelmingly, not a single no vote. Done. That hardly ever happens on any bill. Goes to the Senate. It feels like this thing's flying through. It's the right time. You know, the national climate on Me Too is happening. Like, again, like at least half a dozen lawmakers have resigned in about six months because of really inappropriate behavior. It hits the Senate and then nothing's happening. 
and it's been over two months and it's very weird and no mm. one's really talking about it very much. No, no. And uh, I started poking around and it seems that the problem is that the House bill is tied up in the Senate Rules Committee, which has jurisdiction over this because it's a change to the process within Congress. Um, it seems that the problem is that some anonymous senators don't like a provision in the House bill that would require senators, lawmakers, to have to pay out of pocket if they're found guilty of harassment or discrimination. They would prefer that it stays the current way, which is the government pays. Basically, we pay for yeah. their their settlements when they are found liable. That's what it all comes down to. Imagine so, fighting for that. It's <laughs> it's absurd. And it's also maybe why no one's talking about it, because somewhere in the Senate, and it sounds like it's Senate Republicans, uh, male Senate Republicans, by by virtue of uh, deduction, I, I have, it, that's who it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, because every female senator Republican has put out a letter saying they support the mm. bill, and every Democrat has put out a letter saying they support the bill. So who does that leave? <laughs> Male Senate yeah. Republicans. But someone in that group doesn't like this, and that's the holdup. And they can't seem to get past it, and it's been over two months. So that's it. And 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 the, that those one or two senators, whoever they are, whoever one it is, who, I don't know how many. It's all very cloudy. But, but they have the power to hold a bill up. Well, somebody has enough power to do this because uh, in the end, it's Mitch McConnell who controls the Senate. It's Mitch McConnell right. who could say, we're doing this. We're going right. to, yes. hey, Senate Rules Committee, do this. Pass it out of committee and we're going to put it on the floor and we're going to vote on it and we're going to be done with it. Right. But that hasn't happened. So McConnell, I have talked to his office and, and Mitch McConnell's staff say, no, he has no problem with that. Hmm. So it's very... Mysterious. I'm not sure if if the wording of the, the statement from McConnell's office maybe is squishy and leaves room for him to have a problem somewhere, or if it truly isn't McConnell who has a problem with this. Who's the chair of the Rules Committee? So it's Roy Blunt is the chair of the Senate Rules Committee, and I asked him myself last week about this, and he was very careful about the way that he answered my question, which was members need to fully, we want to make sure that that our members fully understand what they are voting for when they vote for this, when it comes to personal liability. So I don't know if then that means that, is it Roy Blunt himself that has a problem with this bill? Or is it some other people in his caucus? But in the end, that's why the bill isn't moving. I don't see it moving anytime soon because no one has come up with a solution. So therefore, Congress mm. is unable in this moment to, to update its decades-old law uh, on sexual but, harassment in Congress because someone yeah. somewhere in the Senate Republican uh, caucus does not want to have to pay out of pocket when they good harass their employees. Good for you for bird dogging yeah. this. But, Hell yeah. You know, uh, that's good stuff. But uh, let me, uh, I blame uh, Ted Cruz. Because I Ted Cruz, hold on. I, I have, I have uh, no, you can go ahead and blame him. I have him. no evidence at all. I just don't like him. So I wouldn't blame, I'll okay, blame you him. Can, <laughs> I, I suspected that was your reasoning. No. However, no. Uh, Ted Cruz, to his credit, is the only, the only Senate Republican guy who signed on to a letter saying that he supports the bill. Really? The reason that he did that is not necessarily noble. It is because he is the co-sponsor of the Senate version of that House bill. That passed. He and Senator Gillibrand, mm, of all people, uh -huh. yeah. weird pairing, 
are the co-sponsors of the Senate bill that would overhaul I, this process. So he kind of has mm-hmm. to, he had to publicly right. say he supports it. Plus, he's facing a big challenge from Beto O'Rourke. And he was just yeah. recently out fundraised by Beto O'Rourke. Yes. Beto O'Rourke right. actually has more money now than Ted Cruz. By like a lot. Yeah, which yeah. is incredible. Whether or not Beto O'Rourke wins, that's an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so okay. you can't knock Ted Cruz out, at least, on uh, this one thing. Look, I got plenty of reasons to knock Ted Cruz. I'm sure you have plenty of other Cruz. things you can say. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be Ted Cruz. Totally. Right. <laughs> um, I just, you know, like, who do we, who do we go to blame? <laughs> we, talked, that, we, we talked that, a little bit. Uh, that, that's disgusting to think that somebody yeah. would, would take a stand on that, right? And what does that tell Expect you about that, the, them? What does yeah, that say? That exactly. they think that maybe that they... They, have they done something in the past where they the government paid on their behalf, or have they done something maybe more recently that has not been uh, outed that they're worried that they'll have to now pay for it themselves? I mean, what does that tell you? But to, to make s- the argument for me. Yeah, explain th- that exactly. to me. You know, <laughs> but to stand on the principle that you know I can do something fundamentally wrong and and be reach this fine and have to pay this, and I should not. Then the government the taxpayers should pay get me off the hook, right? Yes. You know, it did feel like the Senate was largely spared of the the Me Too wave. In the House, it felt like every other week there was another resignation. Yes. Except people for, had never except heard of Al Franken. Before. Except for yeah, Al Franken. Except, right. Well, that's a good, yeah. Forgot about Which Al. some people are still very bitter about uh, on yeah. the Democratic side. Yeah. Some people are mad, at, for example, at Senator well, Gillibrand because she was, like, really vocal about him needing to go. And now he's gone. And people are like, why'd you do that? Is like, she officially in for 2020? I mean, officially? The only person officially in is is Donald Trump. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think I think all the signs suggest that she would be running. Okay, so and she blasted Clinton. Why haven't too? we? Heard, yeah, why haven't we heard more about this issue from Senator Gillibrand or from? Why isn't she raising hell about this in the in the Senate or about the sexual harassment bill? About the bill, yeah. Well, so she was so so every female senator wrote a letter to Mitch McConnell a couple of weeks ago, and that includes Republicans and Democrats. So every female senator, which is also interesting into itself, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen yeah, often. Right. Um, they all signed a letter to Mitch McConnell with very strongly worded language saying, "What are you doing? Why haven't we passed this bill? This should be a no brainer. What what's the problem?" So that was a big deal. Gillibrand was on that. Um, I think I've seen Gillibrand have a couple of statements in the press basically, you know, trashing Republicans for not letting this bill move forward. Um, But there's really no one in the Senate who I would say is just making this their issue. And I I don't know, maybe it's because there's just a lot going on. This is this is there's the Mike Pompeo confirmation and there's judges coming through and there's there's reelection campaigns being focused on. So. She's said stuff on it. It's just the issue itself is not something that I see rising to a daily news cycle level. It's just kind of getting, you know, buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you had a chance to talk to anybody um, in the last 24 hours or so about Ronnie Jackson? I have not personally, no, but I have read uh, some of the problems coming up with his nomination. And the Senate has delayed a vote on uh, on his confirmation, which at one time... Looked like it was going to happen. Now, not so much, huh? It was in good health, the best health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now, not so much. One more time, Peter, we have to. This is, this is one of the things that got Ronnie Jackson in a little bit of trouble. 
Some people have, uh, you know, just great genes. You know, uh, I told the president that if he had a healthier diet over the last uh, 20 years, he might live to be 200 years old. I don't know. That was his job interview uh, for VA secretary, right? But uh, apparently there's more serious stuff that's coming out about problems, his problems at work, including alcohol. Yeah, I saw that there's uh, a suggestion that he's been drunk or and also that the work environment is really hostile mm -hmm. around him. And also this is just generally what happens when you don't vet a nominee. He is the Amen. president's physician, and they're like, let's make this guy the VA secretary. Sure. There's, there was no vetting process. So, And this has happened with a lot of Trump's judicial nominees, too. People who are picked to be lifetime federal judges are not getting vetted very thoroughly. So it's almost like it happens in reverse. They get to the Senate for their confirmation hearing, and the vetting is happening on full display in yep. the hearing because they're learning things <laughs> as we go. Right, right. Uh, Chris Christie made that comment about Scott Pruitt as well. If they'd done a better job betting, he wouldn't have gotten the job in the first place. Hey, Tom, good to have you hang out for an hour. Thanks Thank so you. much for being here. Tom LaBianca with AP, APnews.com, and HuffPost.com. You can follow Jen Bedry every day. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Bill. Have a great day, guys. See you tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.